and welcome to Press Church. I'm Marissa Luck. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you are new with us today, we are so glad you have joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm New link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you, and thank you for joining us. Woven, our Women's Weekly Bible Study, will be starting tomorrow, Monday, January 24, 7 to 8.30 p.m. at our Powell campus. For more information, please contact Krista Hoffman at cfhoffman at yahoo.com. Each Monday night from 6 to 8.15 p.m., we partner with the Dream Center in Delaware to deliver groceries to families in need. We build relationships with these families and grow in our own faith as we serve others. You can volunteer once or twice a month or even weekly. To find out how you can participate, please contact Pastor Jason at jason.allison at presschurch.tv. Press is preparing for all the great things coming in 2022, and we need you. We will be having a meeting after service today for anyone interested in joining our guest connections team. This will be a short meeting ending before noon. Registration is now open for the IF Local Women's event on March 4th and 5th at our Powell campus. This event will focus on how to live in this world right now and how to navigate a life that goes against culture. How do we build community in the middle of that? How do we tell people about Jesus? Our lives matter in this time and we are not going to waste it. To register, please visit iflocal.com and for any additional information, please contact Chrissy Bontrager at chrissy.bontrager at presschurch.tv. Press Youth will be having the first meeting of 2022 next week, January 30th, 6 to 7.30 p.m. at our Powell campus. This is an amazing opportunity for our youth to connect with each other and learn more about God. If you would like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you are visiting a campus in person, there's a box at the back exit of the worship center where you can drop your support as you leave. If you prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio, 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now let's prepare to engage what God has for us today. Welcome to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee, and I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Thank you for weathering the somewhat of the cold, gross weather. I think it's supposed to get worse. Do we know how much we're supposed to get? Anybody know? Two to four? 
Six inches? I don't know about that. You kind of follow the kids. Are like, yeah, six inches, no school. Well, uh, for those of you who aren't with us in person, thank you for joining us online. Uh, we are continuing in our Crazy Train series. You didn't know you are going to get like a, a movie theatrical, like, what's that called? Uh, trailer? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, my brain just doesn't quite work, so you'll have to bear with me. Before I dig in today, though, I do want to highlight something. So here at Press, we started a a class called Press University back in the fall. And this Saturday, we, we start up our second round. We have 12 people actually signed up for this. And we go over everything from leadership development to theology, um, apologetics, um, press culture, why we do what we do, values. And so we have 12 people going through that, that program right now. And so I just want to, I don't know how many, how many press you people, stand up if you're impressed with you. I know this is putting you on spot. How many do we have in here? A lot of our volunteers want, look at this. A lot of, you know, we got two in the back in our production. So let's give them a round of applause for committing to, to doing this. Uh, like I said, we have more, but this is great. I, I love this with being a young church and still being able to, you know, have the capacity to build into to new leaders. And um, that's really a big part of, of our heart here is development and growing in our faith. Um, and so if you're interested, this is a little plug, we will start another round probably early fall. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you uh, and you want to grow in your faith and your leadership and your understanding of scripture, uh, this is a great class. You can talk to any of the students as well. Um, hopefully they'll say good things. Say good things, right? You'll get in trouble with me if you don't. But um, <laughs> I, I'm not like that. Um, but it, it's great. It's really exciting um, to, to dig into some spiritual questions and, and just dig into why we do what we do. Um, so crazy train. Um, who has some crazy relationships? Anybody have some crazy relationships? We all, I know no one wants to raise their hand. Who's the crazy one in the relationship? Right, okay, you'll get more people admitting that. We, we, all, we all have a tendency to be a little crazy in our relationships. And so this series, what we've been doing is we're, we're talking through crazy indicators. What are indicators of crazy? And in and of themselves, they're not necessarily crazy, but they can be indicators to something uh, bigger that's going on. How many of you have a check engine light on your car, right? It, it just stays on, right? It's just, it, something's probably wrong, and it's, in, it's like, all right, I know there's probably something wrong, but I'm not going to worry about it. And then what happens? Like, your engine blows up, or your transmission goes out, or it's like, there's warning lights for a reason, it's, it's supposed to help you. And for us, we are trying to identify what are these indicators in our relationships that are causing issues, that are causing problems, that are uh, giving us stress and anxiety and building fear. And sometimes, like some check engine lights, we see it, oh, it's just a sensor or whatever. And we forget about it and we ignore it. And it, at the time, maybe it's not going to do that much damage. But over time, problems occur. And that's what happens with a lot of us is we have these bad habits. We have these indicators in our relationships that are actually causing problems and we're not identifying them. And then we get down the road and it's like, well, why can't I trust my friends? Why is there so much, you know, tension between me and my kids? Why can I not keep friends? Why does it seem like nobody loves me? And yet we had all these indicators all along that we just never dealt with. So today's crazy indicator is need for control. Do I have any control freaks in the house? Yes, need for control. Um, yeah, this will be a good one. So we're going to chat through this. 
If you are new with us, we do these car videos with our pastors here at Press Church. And so we get in the car, we talk about uh, the sermon for the day, and you get to hear some other perspectives. So let's take a look at this video. Uh, you did have a good point about the traction control. It really takes away the fun. The, yeah, it takes away the fun. It does. Um, but it keeps you but, safe. But, well, it supposedly blah, keeps blah, you safe. Blah, right. Blah. Back in the day, we yeah. used to have some fun without traction control, rear wheel drive, cars, and all that fun stuff. I don't even know how to turn that off in my car. Like, I would have to work at it. Read the manual. Or yeah. Some, some cars don't let you fully really? take it out of. Yeah. They just don't want you to have fun. They don't want you to control. They want to control you. Yeah. <laughs> what does that say about us? It says you have a need to control. Mm. Yeah. Have to you have a need? A need for speed. A need for a speed. Need for speed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So w- what is it about this control thing now? I mean, obviously we're joking about the car <laughs> thing, but yeah. like, uh, we like to control. We like to be in control. Yes. Right. And uh, when yes. we're in control, um, it generally doesn't turn out the way we intended. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think like last week, it, it stems from something deeper than just wanting control. It stems from uh, us not wanting to get hurt or us mm-hmm. maybe being afraid of something happening. Yeah. And so what we do is don't leave any room for anything other than what we want. Now, granted, that's a falsehood because we know that we're not in control. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> we tell ourselves that. We tell ourselves, I know I'm not in control. That's the funny thing about Yet we live right. like fighting for control. It never brings you the joy that you think it's going to bring you. True. It, it's a huge burden to try and be God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, if you, you want to control, it, yeah. Right. <laughs> we want to be God. Yeah. We turn into yes. mini G yes. gods. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's not that fun. And it, it takes all the joy away. Well, where is this out? We weren't designed. It's like uh, you know, Jason, uh, the sermon you talk about, you know, us creating our own purpose or identity. Right. Right. It's like we've put that on ourselves to do that mm-hmm. and yet it's a burden that we were never meant to carry mm-hmm. yeah we weren't created to carry right yeah we, we aren't able to completely right yeah so when we, when we live out of this control space we weren't designed to have to carry that burden yeah mm-hmm. um, but yet I think it's easy to say the words oh don't be in control right. or <laughs> you know let God control uh, but it, it, it's kind of cheap words when we say it because to actually do it yeah the practical it, application yeah it's not an easy thing right. to do right? right and so we, I think we feel that weight of this this is a, a big deal to relinquish control over to God which we never really had the control to begin with this <laughs> yeah, is the right, false right. you know concept that we actually <laughs> you, have real control I'm, I'm giving up something I never had right like, <laughs> exactly but but the thing is is like that feels so intense to us yeah that we would rather take on the burden of mm-hmm. playing God than relinquish over this control to Him in our hearts. Right. You know, uh, to to defer yeah. to Him, and and that's a that's a tension process. That's a wrestling process to do that. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not simple, and it doesn't come in a nice package. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of a what's what's that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Like. Well, yeah. it's not one decision you make and then it's done. Right. Okay, God, you're in control. Right. Okay, yeah. I'm done. It's all, all good now. Everything's everything's And sometimes even by doing that you're actually trying to retake control passive right. aggressive. Yeah, right. <laughs> we probably don't have any passive aggressive people here, right? None none not at all. Not at all. Um yeah, relations are tough. Relationships are tough. Um all right, so this word control. 
Uh, I, have, I have a little definition for us. Uh, it's this, exerting influence over one's environment or the actions or behaviors of another person. And I know we never do this. Um, and here's the thing, in and of itself, again, not a terrible thing. The issue comes in with our, our need for this and the purpose of this. Why do this? Why would we do this? And what is the need? Is it a, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it self-protection? And usually it points to a bigger issue. Like I said, these indicators, we're talking about indicators. They point to something bigger that's going on. In and of themselves, it's not bad. Sometimes you need to control a situation. I have young kids. They can get crazy. Sometimes I need to control that situation. They don't like it. I don't like to have to do it. But sometimes it's needed. Uh, so, warning lights. They're warning lights. Need for control is a warning light. This need to control can develop for many reasons. Uh, I was telling the team earlier, that the tough thing about this, this topic, need for control, is we each have ways that we do this in relationships. It's not like, well, this is the one way you do it. We, we all have ways. Um, and, it can, and it can stem for different reasons. It could be a, a lack of trust. It could be from anxieties. It could be uh, stem from, we talked about fear of rejection last week. Because of your fear for, of rejection, you may control a relationship away that you, you keep from getting that rejection. It can come from a low self-esteem. It can come from trauma, from hurts in the past. A lot of times that's what happens is we have something in our past that has made us feel a certain way. We don't want to feel that way. And so I'm going to control my environment. I'm going to control the situations. I'm going to control everything around me so that I don't get hurt again. And when it comes to any of these indicators, whether it be we talk about crazy expectations, we talked about fear of rejection, today control, there's usually valid reasons why we would think or act this way. And that, that's the tough thing. Like we have a legitimate reason to push for control. I have a reason to fear rejection. But just because we can justify it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. Just because I have a valid reason in my mind of why I act and do and say what I do in the relationships I have doesn't necessarily mean it's good. And it can't stop there. It can't stop with I have a good excuse to be this way. So when we talk about this, this need... What do we do with it? How does it play out? A lot of times we see it play out in micromanaging a situation. I was joking with a couple here, uh, Denny and Debbie. So Denny has a nickname for Debbie. It's Eminem, micromanager, right? And I made sure to tell her I was going to be saying this so she knows that I'm not, like, calling her out for being a – Debbie's the sweetest person you'll ever meet, so you can – to the extreme, micromanaging can be bad, right? It, we can, it's our way of controlling that situation. We can have a really rigid set of rules for the relationship. We can become overprotective. Well, they went out to dinner with those people. How are they? They're not allowed to go out with those people without me. Why wasn't I invited? And we start, we hold on, we hold on to these friendships like they're ours. That person is mine. They can't be friends with other people. It's my relationship. Think about that with our kids. It's, I mean, that's tough with your kids. You know, you want to you protect them. And to protect them, you have to be in control, right? Letting them loose, letting, giving them space, that's scary. So what do we do? We, we, we pull them in closer. We control. 
We can do it by lying. By lying, we create the truths in our relationships. I'm, I'm, I'm providing what the truth in this relationship is. And it's through expressions like this that we end up hurting the people around us because we haven't acknowledged or dealt with the deeper issues that's causing this need for control. You've probably heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people. That's all of us. We're, we're all hurt people at some point. And if we don't recognize the ways that we are living out these pains in our life, then we are likely going to hurt the people around us. It's rarely like, okay, I'm going to go out and I really want to like, make my, my wife mad today. I really want to hurt her today. Or I want my friends to be hurt. We don't think that way. Unless you're, I mean, maybe there's a couple people. We'll pray, we'll pray for you if you think like that. But most of us, we have good intentions, right? But it, it's, it's not like, I'm going to go hurt that person. It stems from what's going on inside us. And I know that this, this series in general can be difficult. Because what's happening is we're like having to look at ourselves. We're having to look at the ways that, man, we, we can screw up relationships really easy. And sometimes it's hard because it's maybe bringing up something from the past that you don't want to think about. I didn't, older gentleman come, come up to me this last week and he was like, oh, I've got a fear of rejection story. It just, you know, you could tell. I mean, it, like, it, it impacted his life. He's probably watching. He knows, knows I'm talking about him. But it's like these, they, they can pull up old memories and that's hard to deal with. And we all have those. And if it doesn't pull up hard memories, maybe you're just dealing with the fact that I have to look in and see how I'm hurting other people. And none of us like to admit our issues. We like to say why somebody else is wrong. Well, this is why you're wrong. This is why I'm right. It's rarely the other way around. If you know what, I'm going to look at myself and I'm going to see how I'm affecting this relationship. So the real hope for this series, as, we, as we're working through these indicators is about moving in a direction where our relationships are more in line with the characteristics of God, more in line with who God is, more in line with loving God, loving others. It's not just about how does this make me feel. It's not just about how does this make me, you know, comfortable. If we're honest, most of the reasons why we do something is because of how it affects me. I, I do this for my growth. I do this because it makes my life better. How does it make me feel? What do I get from it? And at best, we think, okay, how is it beneficial not only for me but other people, right? We're like, well, we, it's not like we want to be mean to other people or not think about other people. But at, at the center is us. We are at the center. And we bring this approach into our spiritual life. How how does this God thing play out in my life? This is why the, the health and wealth uh, gospel is so prevalent. Oh, well, if you follow Jesus, you're going to be healthy and you're going to be wealthy. You're going to live a good, good life. And that, that, it's like, oh, I want that. What do I have to do? What do I have to do to, to get that? I want that. And that's what we win. We bring that into our spiritual life. We, we like this God stuff as long as our life feels easy. As, as long as I'm getting the good stuff, this makes sense. 
And, and really, that's our way of controlling. It's our way of controlling our spiritual life. It's less about what God says and more about if God, what God says is good for me. And at the root of the, this issue, this control issue, it's, it's really us playing God because we don't trust outside of ourselves. I've trusted other people before. Look where it got me. I'm not doing that again. God, I've trusted you before, and yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I actually don't know if you're actually there, um, and so I'm going to just continue doing it my way. I'm going to do, do my thing, and we might go to church, or I might pray when things aren't going well, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in control. This is me. And scripture's full of, of people. I mean, this is, this is the funny thing. We, we sanitize scripture. I mean, scripture's full of like some really messed up people. <laughs> like really messed up people. And, and I think we miss that. We, we do like the Sunday school thing where it's like, well, you know, you've got Noah and he got the, you know, don't think about all the people that died in the story. But, you know, Noah and his family. And then after Noah... Yeah, he went and got drunk and did some weird things, but you know, what I mean? and there, there's some weird things in Scripture. And I think we sanitize sometimes what's going on, and we we can miss. I think we miss the power of God in it. We we miss just how sovereign God is, just how amazing and holy God is, because we we try to sanitize it. It's like no, in spite of all this, geez, look what God did. But I think in in situations of controlling, you think of Moses. All right, Moses leading the Israelites. And at one point, God says to, to hit a rock, and you'll get water. They needed water. So he said to hit a, hit a rock, he got water. Well, there's another time where they need water again, and he controls the situation. God tells them to speak to the rock, but it says he goes and he hits the rock. It's like, why'd you do that? Just, you, you listened to God before, you saw him be faithful, and now you're trying to do it your way because, well, that worked before. But yet, how often do we do that? Where we say, well, God moved this way and this worked, and I'm going to just do that. I'm not going to ask him this time. I'm just going to do my thing. And so the person I want to draw attention to today is Abraham. I don't know if you know much about Abraham. You've made, maybe heard that he was counted righteous because of his faith. He was a father of many nations. It was through his family line that we, we actually get to Jesus. I mean, he's, an, he's an, a very important person uh, in the Old Testament. And a lot of what we hear about Abraham is good. But again, like other things, we can miss how human he is. We can sanitize the story and miss what's really going on. So I want to start with, with Abraham's story. We meet Abraham uh, in Genesis, well, it's technically Genesis 11. You see some of the, the family line to get to Abraham. But we really meet him in chapter 12. And at this point, he's 75 years old. And this is, what, this is how Genesis 12 starts. This is what the Lord said. The Lord had said to Abram, at this point too, his name is Abram. His name ends up getting changed, so it is the same guy we're talking about here. It's Abram. But he said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
again, I try to put myself in these situations. All right, you're, you're 75 years old. You just heard this. Like, that's pretty miraculous. Uh, that would get my attention. I'd be like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Father of many nations. I don't have any kids yet, so I don't know how I'm going to be the father of many nations, but um, okay, we'll see. But he was told this. Like, God told this to him. And literally seven verses later, he's already starting to control the situation. Seven verses. We're still in, 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 in chapter 12. Let's see. Chapter 12, verses 10 through 13, they're traveling. They st- he's leaving. He's doing what God has commanded. He's leaving. He's going. And so there was a famine in the land. Abram went to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, she becomes Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. So all of a sudden, what do we see? We see self-protection. We see need for control. Oh yeah, wife, you, you lie for me so that I don't get killed. And by the way, the king might try to take you for his own, but eh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And that's what happens. The, ki- the, the king takes Sarai. There's all this nasty stuff. You can read it. If you, if you, I'm not going to go through everything in this. There's a lot of context to the story. But basically what happens is he's, he's controlling the situation. And he puts himself, his family, in a weird predicament. God gets them through that. They get out. They're freed. They're good. It's like, dude, literally seven verses later, you're already trying to control the situation. Now, let's jump. Genesis 16, four chapters later. This is ten years after the promise. So we saw, we saw that promise to Abraham. Ten years after this promise, we see this happening. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. So ten years after this promise of having all these people, no kids still. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Again, you have a promise. He was given a promise. And what are they doing? Him and his wife trying to control the situation. If you know the story, he goes on to have a child with Hagar. And that doesn't turn into a good situation either. Because of that, there's relational issues. There's infighting. They end up having to basically push, push them out. Sarai has, doesn't want anything to do with it. It's like, it's, it's, it's like a, it's just terrible. They don't want him around. All because they didn't trust God. They didn't trust what he was doing. And again, it's tough. Ten years later. Well, he said this was going to happen. It's been ten years. I'm getting old. I can't have children. God's not giving me children. He was, he was 75 with the first thing. So now Abraham's 85. Good math there. It's like, you know, they're not spring chickens. It's like, this seems a little unlikely, so they, what do they do? They control it. And then again, again, we see something happen. Genesis 
chapter 20. They're moving again. Now, Abram, Abraham, his, his name had been changed at this point. God had said, you're going to be the father of many nations. He changed his name. And so he moved on from there into the region of Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And for a while he stayed in Gerar. And there Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. He's doing it again. He, literally doing the same thing. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, you are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Abraham, what are you doing? What are you doing? So we have this amazing man of faith in Abraham. Counted as righteous because of his faith. And yet we see within eight chapters, all of these times where he's like, I, I've got to control the situation. I'm afraid. I don't know what that king's going to do to me. If he thinks you're my sister, we have a better chance. I, I will say one reassuring thing of, of reading things like that and stories like even King David and things like that is like they were really messed up and God still used them in really cool ways. So I have a chance, right? You have a chance. <laughs> God can use you in like, I'm assuming none of you have gone out and taken a spouse from the battlefield and brought him home to die. You know what I mean? Like, like David literally did that. He, he, he killed the man. He put him out in the front lines, had him killed. I haven't killed a guy. And David was a man after God's own heart, so I have a chance. My flaws, I've got some. God can still use me. So it is reassuring. And that's the good news. If you, if you struggle with control issues, if you, if you have a problem trusting, you're not alone. God can still use you. And that's the thing that I see in this, is, is this point, is that God works in spite of our attempts to control. God works in spite of our attempts to control. Um, it's, it's hard to understand how God works sometimes. Um, I would, sometimes it's probably not strong enough a word. It's hard understanding how God works a lot of the time because we are not God. And you can read scripture and see things like Abraham and you can be like, God, why did you use him? How did you use him? But in spite of his lack of trust, in spite of him putting other people in situations that were not good, in spite of potentially using his wife in a way to help him, God still uses him. God still uses us. As much as you'd like to think of it, you do not have the power to derail God's plans. We like to think we do, but you don't. And I think all of us struggle with that sometimes is we put so much emphasis on me. We put so much emphasis on my power, what I can do. And as CR said in the video, it's, it's a heavy weight trying to be God. That's a heavy weight. It's a weight that we weren't intended to carry. And yet for some reason, we're so comfortable with it. We, we tell ourselves, like, this is the better path. I'm going to do this on my own. 
I know, you know, Scripture says some of this stuff about who I am in Christ, and it, you know, tells me where to put my hope, and it tells me some things, but I don't know. I don't know how that really plays out for me. I don't really know what that means for me, because if, I, if I'm a humble person, then someone's going to take advantage of me. If I don't control the situation, I'm going to get hurt. And that's all I care about. I don't want to get hurt. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it myself. I want everybody to turn to a neighbor and say this. Say, I'm not always right. <laughs> I know, it's like painful. It's painful. You're like, ooh. I love the spouses. The spouses are like, I'm not saying that. <laughs> the husbands are actually like, yes, the wife has to say I'm not. <laughs> the wife is always right, just letting you know. I'm not always right. I'm not always right. We wouldn't know that by our social media posts. We wouldn't know that by the way we interact with our families during the holidays. There's a, there's a level of humility here that is um, difficult, to say the least. Because it, it seemingly puts us in a position where we don't have control. I'm not, I'm not in power now. I'm relinquishing power, and we don't like that. That's dangerous. There's a quote by Spurgeon that I want to share with you, and I thought it, it, it's, it's good. It, it, it captures it's good. It says, there are two great certainties about things that shall come to pass. One is that God knows and the other is that we do not know. We fight so hard for control. We say we know best. And we keep coming to this conclusion that we realize mm, it's still not quite what I need. And what happens is, as I said earlier, is we, we hurt people because of that. The people in our lives, like who, who wants to be around somebody that always has to be in control. And usually what happens is you fight that much harder to get in control, and now you have two people just trying to gain control, and, and nobody's happy. It's so hard to be the first one to, to give up control. You know, I, I remember uh, my wife and I never fight. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. I remember an argument we had early on, and Neither one of us, it was like neither one of us wanted to, to say that we were wrong. And it's like probably two in the morning, and we're both just like, at this point, we've, we, we didn't remember how the argument started. Uh, but we had said so many mean things in the process, so now it's like, I'm not even arguing about that. You said I was insensitive, or you said this about me, and it's now, you, just, you don't even know what you're arguing about anymore. And neither one of us could, it's like we just wanted to hold on. We want to hold on to that control. No, you did this. You need to be the first to apologize. You need to be, and we start, and we, we neither one of us could let go of that control. Neither one of us could, could let go. And I, I'm ashamed to admit it, Bethany is much better at this than I am. Uh, she is almost always the first to say, you know what, I'm sorry. And it, it always hits, you know, and it hits me like, man, she's so much better than me. Uh, but it's like, I, there's something in you that just fights. It's like, I can't say that. I, 
can't say I'm sorry. I can't be the one that was wrong. I have to be right. I have to prove that I, I have to make you understand what I was thinking so that you understand why I did what I did. And we fight so hard for that. And what does it get us? Where does it get us? And it always amazes me when you take that step of humility, how much good comes from it, how much healing can come from it. And sometimes it's not quick. That's the other problem is we like things to happen and happen fast. It's like we want to microwave our relationships. <laughs> I want it done. I want it hot, warm, ready, good to go. And it just doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. So I have three steps that I want us to practice through this week, in the coming weeks, whatever it may be. If you, if you, if you struggle with control, and that's basically all of us in some way or another, I have three steps I want to work through. The first one is this. Is start your days in prayer. I know it sounds simple. Starts sounds simple. Start your days in prayer. If we've admitted that our natural response is to take control, we have to find ways to shape our thoughts to be more in line with what God is doing. So start your day off. Get up. Don't check your phone first. Don't check your email. Don't turn on the TV. Just pray. I guarantee you, you'll be amazed at how you lens the rest of your day. I guarantee you, you'll see more opportunities to be loving to somebody. You'll be more likely to be able to give over a little bit of that control. It's really about finding ways that we can be in tune with what God is doing. Start your days in prayer. The second one is this. Identify relationships where control is an issue. Most of us are very unaware we, we, we lack awareness of, of how we come across. And this is, again, why community is so important. Get yourself people that you trust enough that can call you out when you're doing something that's unhealthy. We, we all have blind spots. I know we don't like to admit that. We have blind spots. We don't sometimes understand how we're coming across. I try to watch back. I told you this before. It's the most brutal thing. I try to watch my sermons back. And there's times I'm like, why did I make that face after I said that comment? I'm like, I, was smi I smile a lot. You probably know this. I smile a lot. Well, maybe I don't. Maybe I smile less than I think. But I feel like I smile. I'll say something like really serious and I'll smile. I'm like, why did you smile? That's so weird. And I, but if I don't know I'm doing that, I continue to do that. And someone's like, well, does he just think this isn't a big deal? Man, he's kind of insensitive. And I was like, you know, we all struggle. It's like, oh, geez, Stop. Like, we, we need to be aware that our actions have repercussions. That when we're acting out of control towards people, there, there are repercussions for that. And if we, if we never address them, we're going to continue to do them. So identify relationships. Think, think through that. Think through your relationships with your kids. Think through your friends or your spouse, coworkers, whatever it may be. Think of ways, okay, where are places that I... I'm having trouble letting go of control. And the last one is this, meditate on scripture. As I said with control, these control issues can stem from different places. Some of them a fear of something, some of them from, from trauma, some of them, like I said, fear of rejection, different things. They can come from different places. Scripture is full of 
of verses that tell us who we are and who God is. And we are meditating on who we are and who God says that we are and who God is and what he can do and what he will do. We are much more likely to start slowly giving over some of that control. We're much more likely to say, okay, you know what? I don't have all the answers, and I don't get all of this, but I'm going to trust you. And so I'm going to go to the scripture, and I'm going to read. I actually, I've got, I've got four scriptures for you already, already pulled out. You don't even have to look for them. So if you want to write these down, 1 Peter 5, 7, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Psalm 55, 22, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Take some time this week. Read through those. We need reminded constantly what God is doing, who he is, what he says about us. You, you've heard of the word Ebenezer. It's this, this memory, uh, this, like a stone of, of remembering. We are so quick to forget that we are not in control and that God is. And so I encourage you, this, this coming week, this year, Start your day in prayer. Actually, give God space in your life. Identify those relationships. And I know we want to be like, well, that other person needs to do it first. No. You can't control somebody else. As much as you, if, as much as you try, you will never fully control somebody else. God's asking what you are doing. How are you responding to me? I'll, I'll deal with them. You work on this. And last, meditate on scripture. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the ways that you are working in each of us. And we know that a lot of times that's uncomfortable and it's hard. It's hard to deal with flaws. It's, it's hard to deal with insecurities. It's hard to deal with past pain. And it's hard to let go. We, we want to we hold on. We want to control. And it, it's, it's very hard for us, God. So I, I do ask for your Holy Spirit to, to lead us and guide us, that you would give us the ability to begin letting go of these things that are hindering our relationships with other people, that are hindering our relationships with you, that's getting in the way of us understanding your heart for us, and what you want for us, God. And not just because of what that means for us, God, but, but because we love you and we want to honor you because you are worthy of that. God, I pray for your wisdom in our lives that as we begin to recognize ways that we may be holding on to control, I pray for your grace and your mercy. I pray that we would give ourselves that same grace and mercy that we'd learn to give others that same grace and mercy as well because we all know that we're in process. We have not yet fully arrived, God, and we need you so much. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Please stand and join us as we continue worship.